Are you enjoying his peace? Are you enjoying the peace that Jesus has come to give you? Amen. Four of you are. All right. I have, a, I have my work cut out for me today. <laughs> As you know, we've been speaking the last several weeks on the topic of, of, of perfect peace. Jesus made some bold statements concerning peace. And we see throughout the scripture that, of course, he, that he is the God of peace. The scriptures tell us that uh, in, in Ephesians that the gospel is a gospel of peace. We're told in the book of Romans that a, a mindset or a spiritual mindset is, 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 uh, is peace and life with God. We're told in Romans that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness. It is peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Peace is defined as the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. and Philippians, the Apostle Paul said that the peace of God would guard our hearts and our minds. Guard our hearts and our minds. Jesus made the statement in, in John 14 and verse 27. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot receive, so don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid. I'm giving you a peace. I like to remind myself of that every time I find myself starting to feel troubled, starting to sense fear, trying to grip me in a certain area of life, reminding myself, no, Jesus said I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm not supposed to be, let my heart be troubled or let my, allow my heart to be afraid because he has given us of his peace, peace of mind and of heart. The Amplified says we're not supposed to allow, we are to stop allowing ourselves to be agitated and disturbed. So we should not be living in a, in a realm of always being agitated or disturbed. I'm not saying there's not some things that occur, things that we see, things that we hear that, that may want to uh, uh, cause us to be agitated or disturbed, but that's not the realm that we are to be living in. We're to be living in the realm of peace. Does anybody in here know what the very first words of the resurrected Jesus said to his disciples when he met them in the room? Peace. Peace be with you. Peace. So the background to, uh, to peace, as the Apostle Paul, throughout, the, throughout the, the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches, it, it is uh, it, basically you could summarize the gospel by saying he, Christ, is our peace. And the background to peace is from the Old Testament word shalom, which means wholeness. It means to be physically well, physical well-being. It can also mean prosperity and security. And it also refers to integrity and good relation. It really refers to the way life should be and how it is to be lived as a gift from God living in the realm of peace and that, that wholeness, that completeness, that security, that well-being of the total person in our spirit, in our souls, and in our body. So thank God for the peace of God. We thank God that he has been made peace unto us. In John 16 and verse 33, he also made the statement that... that uh, I uh, said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have trials and sorrows, but 
Take heart because I have overcome the world. So those two verses alone, John 14, 27 and John 16, 33, those two statements alone are plenty for us to meditate on, to just, uh, just to ponder on those and, and to continue to think on those and to really take them at face value and recognize that Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lord, is the one that has, that has given this information to us. Today I want us to look at a portion of scripture in Ephesians, the second chapter. It's the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. It's a very powerful, powerful book. The entire book of of, of Ephesians is really talking about all that we have in Christ. Jesus talks about our, the first couple chapters talk about our total inheritance of all the benefits and blessings that we have as being Christ followers. And then the the, the chapters four, five, and six then give us a practical application, how that applies to our lives. But here in Ephesians chapter two, we're gonna, for the sake of time, we're gonna be reading verse 14 through 18. That really bothers some people that think, no, you can't just pull out favorite verses and start teaching on them, but it's for the sake of time. I'm gonna give you enough background on it and encourage you to go back and, and, and read more information about it on your own. But it's basically, it's talking about how, how Christ has brought us peace and, and the conflict that he's talking about here, the illustration that he's using of a former conflict and how Christ resolved it is a conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews being God's covenant people, then there came a time when Christ was risen from the dead and the gospel of grace in the church age was extended to all people. God's loving favor was extended to all people. And so he's talking about how that event took place. The grace of God is now for all people, but there's some people didn't really think that it should be extended to all people and, and really wanted to hold people in captivity to what they referred to, uh, what, what was referred to as the law of Moses. Now, the law of Moses is a good moral law, but it's not to be a legalistic law to hold people in captivity or to keep people on the outside. So that's, that's sort of the background that the Apostle Paul is addressing. So let's begin reading at verse 14. It says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his, when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. There were two groups, now there's one group. Today we're back to having a whole bunch of different groups. And it ought not to be so in Christ, we're all to be one. Amen? We're all to be one. Verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups, referring to the Jews and the Gentiles. He, he reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. This is not something to be taken lightly. This is not a, a peace brokerage deal that you know, our politicians have in, in the time that we're living today where they have these peace brokerage deals and then they, you know, the, probably the, the greatest highlight that comes out of the the peace brokerage deals is they get a whole lot of, of, of uh, coverage on the news for the next couple hours or days, whatever it may be, and not, seems like not much else comes out of it. But this is something that Christ did, invested himself completely in it by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other. Everyone say hostility towards each other. 
What happened to it? As far as Christ is concerned, he put it to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Now there's a lot of meat in these verses. There's a lot that we can go back and, and, and do some really in-depth study. It has everything to do with covenant and, 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 the, and the Jewish people and then God's grace being extended to the Gentile people and, 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 uh, you know, and all, all the reconciliation things that have taken place throughout Scripture. But to fast forward it, peace and reconciliation, spoken of in verse 16, take place on both a, a vertical and a horizontal levels. Most of the focus, we have a tendency to mostly focus uh, initially, I think we find ourselves focusing more on the horizontal and we have a tendency to forget the horizontal being between the Jews and the Gentiles and fast forward it to today, it's a, between any of us, whoever we have hostility with to recognize that there is a peace that has been established on a horizontal level through the death of Jesus Christ. He abolished the hostility so that we could live at peace with one another. And that is very powerful. But the foundation, what makes it possible is what happened is what took place on a horizontal level, and that is that God came down from heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, and he went to the cross, and he gave his life to broker this peace deal. He laid it all down. He gave his life on the cross, and he brokered a peace deal that was that initially here in, in context, Paul's talking about between the Jews and the Gentiles in that point in history, but fast forward to, to our day today, the, the price that Jesus Christ paid at Calvary's cross for you, number one, to be at peace with God. Amen. To be at peace with God, and then heart, vertically, then horizontal, that we are at peace with one another. Yes. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not just supposed to wait until we get to heaven and then think, okay, now we're all gonna get along. We better get along here. You may not even get to heaven. <laughs> I'm not sure that's doctrinally correct, but I just thought it'd be a good time to inject some fear in you. <laughs> a little bit of fear motivation goes a long way. <laughs> but I'm not one to motivate people by fear. We have enough of fear mongering going on in our culture today. No matter where you look, it's fear coming from all angles. And so uh, thank God that we have a grace motivation. We have a love motivation. And we are motivated because of what Jesus Christ has done for us to, to purpose to get along with one another. I talked about that last week in 1 Peter chapter 3. You desire to see, you, you want to see, enjoy life and see good days and seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Just make it your aim that you're going to seek peaceful relations. And so the horizontal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, Jesus himself, Christ himself is our peace. First and foremost, before we can have successful, peaceful relationships on a horizontal level, in our families, in our communities, in our churches, in our culture as a whole, before that will ever happen in your heart and in your mind, for God's peace to guard your heart and your mind, you must be established and you must recognize and accept and, and, and come to a realization, a revelation that God is at peace with you. 
God is not hostile toward you. He's not angry with you. He's not upset with you. All his hostility has been poured out. His wrath was poured out on his son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross and, and through his death abolished the hostility. God is at peace with you and you have every right, you have every reason to be at peace with him and not to fear him in the sense of he's going to judge me, he's going to be mean to me, uh, he's just waiting for me to mess up so he can, you know, so he can be punitive toward me. God's not thinking like that. God is a God of love. My early years of Christianity, I had this mindset, I'm not sure where it came from, just, but I had this mindset that God is not pleased. God is somewhat angry with his people, with his creation, me included in that, which I really could not figure out. If God's mad at me, there's a whole lot of people in trouble. <laughs> but I had this idea that God is angry and he's just waiting for us to mess up so that he can be punitive towards us, some type of judgment being put out. I guess I would hear when different things would happen. Well, that's the judgment of God or this is the judgment of God. We deserve it because of this and because of that. And so I had this God as being this mean judge just waiting you know, just to pour out his wrath. And, but at the same token, I thought, thank God for Jesus Christ. If it wouldn't be for Jesus, we'd really be in trouble. He placated the wrath of God. And then one day, some years ago, dawned on me, had this revelation from John 3, 16, which is the very first Bible verse I ever knew. I thought, thank God Jesus went to the cross and died for us. And one day it dawned on me, it says, God so loved. Everyone say, God so loved. The world. God so loved the world that he sent his son. The whole idea of Jesus coming was God's idea because he loves us. And when I saw it from that perspective, I finally realized, no, God loves me, and he loves me so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to bring about reconciliation, to end the hostility between my life and God's life, between my sin and God. My sin is no longer a barrier. God is not hostile towards me because of sin, because sin has been dealt with through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we want to get it settled in our hearts and in our minds that we have every right to be, a, to be at peace with God and to know that God is at peace with us. That's the foundation of us being able to develop healthy relationships on a horizontal level is to have the vertical relationship with God, is to have that right and to have it right with God. In John 3, 16, it's so simple, but it's so profound. It's only a, a couple things you need to know there. Number one, God loved. Number two, God sent. Number three, you believe that. And then number four, receive that. That's the gospel in one verse. So if you've never done it, let's do that right now. Say, I believe that God sent. I believe that God loved. I receive that in Jesus' name. And I am now born again. I'm at peace with God. The hostility is taken care of. God loves me. Amen. Amen. Say, so Pastor Rafe, it's that simple in one verse. Why is the Bible so thick? Well, everything before John 3, 16 is leading you up to that, talking about the history of the Jews and the Gentiles, and then everything after that is teaching you how to live as a result of it. So keep learning how to live and to be at peace as a result of having a good, healthy relationship with God.
God loves you, and that's why he sent Jesus Christ. He himself, Jesus himself is our peace. Say that, Jesus is my peace. So you're at peace with God. And on that revelation, that's your foundation for developing good, healthy relationships with one another, with one another. So thank God, thank God he's for us. In, in 16, it says, Christ reconciled both groups to God and our hostility towards each other was put to death. So when we are being hostile towards one another, just like when the Jews and the Gentiles were being hostile towards one another, God is wanting us to know, the Apostle Paul writing here to the church at Ephesus is wanting us to know that that has been taken care of. We do not need to allow the hostility to be taking root towards any people groups, toward any people group. The hostility, the wall of hostility that it's referring to here is, is, is the, the law as a set of regulations that excludes Gentiles in its original context. The hostility was using the law as a set of regulations that excluded Gentiles. Today, we could say it's any laws, rules, beliefs, attitudes as a set of regulations that excludes other people, people that are different than us. The moral instruction of the law continues, thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal. All the, the moral instructions of it continue, but we must never tolerate in our lives or in other people's lives, we must not tolerate any practice of the law that excludes other individuals or, or uh, forces them to become like us. See, the Jewish people at this time where they were at in history, yes, okay, so the grace is to the Gentiles, but you still need to be, you still need to have the sign of the covenant. We still have to practice circumcision. We still have to abstain from certain diets and et cetera, et cetera. So they're trying to make Gentiles to be like uh, Jews and then, and then the Gentiles say, no, you need to, Jews need to become like Gentiles. And this discussion just kept going back and forth and that's where graffiti was originated from because they kept spray painting on the wall. We don't need to be Jews and the Jews would spray paint over and say, no, you need to be Gentiles. You must be circumcised. And someone else comes along and paints on there. Who cares? <laughs> Grace is more than sufficient. Got painted over that. You know, so just the whole battle just started back then and it's still raging today. But the idea is that the moral instructions of the law continue in our hearts and in our minds, but we must not use the law as a, or any type of law that would exclude people or force people into, confirmation, into conforming into our likeness, into our preferences. We must allow people to be the people that God created them to be. And, and, and our primary focus is to preach the message of the cross and to allow the world to know that the hostility between God and humanity has been, that wall of hostility has been torn down through the death of Jesus Christ at Calvary's cross. And as a result of that, the hostility in my heart towards any race creed or culture has been broken down because I now have the love of God ruling and reigning in my heart and my mind. So the primary message of the grace of God is that we are accepted by God in Christ Jesus on equal footing. There should be no class warfare. There should be no racial uh, preferences. We are all made one in Christ. The middle wall of hostility has, that has separated us has been torn down. This now requires 
requires of us as followers of God, this requires several responses from us. Number one, cultural preferences must take a back seat to the unity in Christ. Thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm. I'm gonna to talk to the online audience again today because the ones right here are kind of like, uh, what, do you, what do you want me to do, Pastor Ray? You really want me to like someone I don't like? Yeah, basically, that's what I'm telling them here, but I can see you're excited about it. So, so thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm. Really appreciate that. Amen. You go ahead and give a shout out to the people here and tell them to wake up. <laughs> First response, cultural preferences must take a back seat to unity in Christ. Christ, not culture, gives the primary definition of life and peace. Christ, not culture. Say, well, this is just the way I like it. This is my culture. This is this and this. That's fine. You can have your culture, but don't force someone else into it and don't not love someone else and don't not accept someone else because their culture is different. Their skin color is different. Their preferences are different. It's unity in Christ, first and foremost, because the wall of hostility has been broken down. Number two, response. These are just some ideas. There's a whole bunch of them we could go with, but uh, number two, acceptance acceptance of and valuing people of other races and culture. Make it a practice. You will not do this on your own. Some people do it more easily than others, but if you are hesitant to do it, if you're an introvert, you're not, you know, and, and you're kind of stuck in your culture, practice, make it your goal to, to learn to accept and to value people that are different than you. Purposely set up uh, uh, some time to get to know someone that's different. Make it, look at it as an investment in seeking justice. The Bible tells us that we are to, to search for peace. So seek justice, search for peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? So have an investment, an acceptance and valuing of people of other races. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 talks about, the, again, as much as it is possible, as much as it depends on you, as much as it is possible within you, live at peace with all people. So as much as it is possible, you have a part to play. You be the one to initiate. You make the investment in developing a relationship. And, and with, the, with the aim of, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to break out of this wall of hostility that I've been stuck in. And this, uh, I may have been silent about it, but nonetheless, it's real. I've had, I, I had or I have attitude towards certain groups of people. I'm going to, come, I'm going to get over that. And I'm, I'm, the most important thing for unity here is that we are one in Christ. We are on equal footing. I don't care how you vote. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care where you're from. We're all from somewhere. Amen. Amen. But we all belong to God. We're all children of God. And we are all placed on equal footing through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's where we need to get back to that solid foundation. Number three. Number three. We must, as Christians, we must demonstrate that the barriers are down. We must care about other people in Christ, even if they are culturally, economically, politically, or socially different than we are. The church is to be a peace institute. It's not so much about good feelings. It's about healthy 
relations and Jesus Christ is our peace. And if I read my scripture correctly, the, the, the wall of hostility has been torn down through Jesus Christ. Amen? You make sure that it remains down in your heart, in your attitude. Purpose, I'm gonna love. I'm going to love. It's gonna be a stretch, maybe a challenge, but you're going to do it and you're gonna draw your strength and you're gonna draw the grace to do it and the ability to do it from God the Father, Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior. He's the one that said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Not hostility, not anger, not frustration, not easily agitated, not disturbed, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm giving you a peace, not as the world gives. I'm giving you my peace. Can you imagine Jesus? Did you ever have a picture of Jesus being agitated, being disturbed toward you? No, he loves you. He demonstrated that love even when we didn't deserve it. He died at the cross for us. So he's at peace and he's given us his peace. Meditate on that. Reflect on that and continue to receive it and thank God for it in Jesus' name. Let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given me your peace. Not as the world gives, but it's your peace. It comes from heaven. It's pure. It's without hostility, without prejudice, without any racial barriers to it. I am at peace with you, Father, and I am developing the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace with my fellow human beings. From this day on, in Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for all the people that are here together worshiping God this morning, hearing this word. I thank you for all that are hearing it online. And I thank you, Lord God, it's your word that never returns void, but always accomplishes that whereunto you send it. So thank you, Lord God, that peace is going before us. The favor of God upon you and the peace of God be with you as you leave here today. May you experience wholeness. May you experience completeness. May you experience well-being prosperity, security, good relations from this day on in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a terrific rest of the day. Thank you so much for being out here. And as Pastor Rodney said a few moments ago, have an awesome week. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. And remember, it's more about peaceful relationships than it is about the food. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So make that your number one priority. God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you next Sunday morning.